welcome to Residing in North Idaho, community and lifestyle podcast, and sometimes real estate. Um, today is not real estate, but just know that we are, Dave and I and our partner, Eric, we are full-time realtors here in North Idaho, and we would love to help you out with that if you're looking to make a move up here. Now for that, we have Derek Garcia in the house today, actually also a realtor. True. Oddly enough, but you have other things that you do in life that we wanted to talk about today, and that's why we brought you here. Uh, yeah, we were having we were having coffee recently, talking about some training stuff, and um, Derek was kind of filling me in on the life of a professional triathlete, and I knew nothing about it. Uh, honestly, it sounds like a lot of work, and um, I was pretty fascinated, so I wanted to bring yeah. you in and talk about that and get the scoop on that. Cool. Um, but even before that, uh, are you in, you're a native from here, right? Uh, I mean, I would claim to be a native for the most part. My siblings were born here. I was born in Southern California as many, many people. Um, <laughs> I came point. up, I came up school age, you know, when I was really young, Okay. my, my grandparents moved here in the seventies okay. and then my parents that moved counts. us here at the late, in the late eighties. So I'd say your local status. I, it is. I mean, I, I, for the most part have lived my life here, went to Coraline high school. What, uh, how different is the community from like when you were coming up? It's, it's incredibly different in certain ways. Um, I would say it's also very, you know, there's a lot that hasn't changed. Yeah. A lot of good things haven't changed. I, you know, it's, I mean, I joke with a lot of friends that we think back to maybe the nineties and how you still have timeline of what it, how long it would take you to get to certain spots in town. Yeah. You know, just A to B places like, oh yeah, that's a 10 minute drive. No, that's a hot and, topic right now. You know, yeah. for sure. And it's like, and you, you know, now maybe it takes twice that long um, and you're whining about it to your friends. But the reality is, is that like, it's still incredibly convenient to get around here. But at the same time, like it has changed a lot as far as that's concerned. And, and then also just um, a lot of the growth here it's been for the benefit, I think, of mm. people who live here. I, you know, when I was <clears throat> when I was in high school and and you know in my twenties, like not a lot of restaurants, not a lot of things to do, and that's changing. Yeah, and, and so that's nice. I, I mean, I think that we have a lot of things here that um, you get to have quality of life in so many ways, and and you have to have some of the trade off. You can't have it all. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's changed a lot. It's it's interesting. I mean, I remember when lights would go up you know, on, on, um, highway 95 and people would really complain each light that went up. Well, it was like stop signs before that or just, just straight on through, man. Yeah. Just like, yeah. So <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's changed a lot, but I, but I also feel like, you know, it just feels like a small town still. And like the connections that you have yeah. with people and, um, I mean, anybody that's moving and shaking in Coeur d'Alene, like, you know, because it's, it's still a small place. It does feel like a small town, but it is definitely grown. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. talk to people, I, I just, I mean, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't up here in the early two thousands and you know, I talked to people that had come through and I've told them, I said, Hey, you should come visit me. I live in Coeur d'Alene. And they're like, Oh, we were there 20 years ago. It's a, yeah. yeah. Oh it's my, podunk. it's little and <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, yeah. Not. it's, a, it's no, no. a big place now. My, my grandparents or my, my grandmother on my dad's side oftentimes thought that we just like lived in like a big potato field and, <laughs> and like, you know, our neighbor, I remember some saying something about getting something from the neighbors and she was like, "Oh, what? You walked there?" And it's like, "Grandma, yeah. it's like next door." I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit. She's, shocking. she's like what thinking we're think gonna. You'd have to like. You didn't ride the horse, to- <laughs> right? I think it's a bit shocking, especially. I mean, you've seen it change a lot. Yeah. But I mean, you talk to people. Um, I know I was talking with one of our canine officers at Corlane, and he was telling me when he went to high school here, how they would bring their. I mean, he graduated in like ninety nine, ninety eight. It's yeah, not that like long. Ago. Our age, no. yeah, right. 
It's not that long ago. And, you know, he was talking about the fact that they would bring their guns to school. Yeah. They would lock them up there. And then afterwards they would go, they would go hunting with a teacher. <laughs> that's so cool. And that there was nothing paved north of Prairie. Yeah. You say that to people now. I mean, that's a lot of change in 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And I, yeah. Like just like, um, and just like completely open campuses. Right. Like my dad could have, I could have been in the middle of science class. And my dad could have just like walked over and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure technically he was supposed to get like a pass, but right. had he just like showed up and been like, oh, you forgot your lunch. Like, I don't think he would have been, nobody would have been up in arms no. about it. You know, it would have just mm. been, it would have been a pretty easy thing. Again, yeah. you probably were supposed to go to the front desk to get a pass or something, but yeah, it's just, it's changed a lot. And, but I mean, I still feel like I have three boys and I still feel incredibly safe here. You know, I rode my bike everywhere as a kid and, yeah. you know, my parents, I think it's generationally too. I mean, they just were like, yeah, we'll see you later you know, in the summertime, I would just disappear and go to Tubbs Hill and, or go to Honeysuckle Beach. Cause we were kind of in the middle of town and I would just go to a different lake each day in the summer, you know, it's ride my not bike a far and, ride. I mean, no, it feels like no. a long, cause it takes 15 minutes for me to right. drive from downtown Coeur d'Alene to Honeysuckle Beach. But in reality, it's like what, three or four miles or no. something. Right. And I would stop and get candy and visit a friend, play some video games, whatever, you know, like do things on the way. Sounds and pretty awesome. It was great. I, I mean, some, that's the thing that I talk about all the time. Like the, five months here, you know, from basically when I thought about, you know, school getting out, school starting, yeah. there's just glorious. Like there's, and I've been a lot of places, obviously racing and doing different stuff. And it's like, there's nowhere I'd rather be in the summer. Cause it's just not that I don't like it here in the winter, but the summer here is just, it's, I, it's like glorious. next level. I try to tell yeah. people, like, I don't go anywhere in the summer. Like, you don't No, no I'm not I, going to visit my family. Y'all need to come no. here. I, I, when I see people go to like Cancun or yeah. Hawaii in the summer. Like I get it. I love those places, but at the same time, I'm like, why? 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 Yeah. Especially yeah. if you have a boat or 100%. if you, you know, whatever, like, uh, well, you don't even need a boat. We're the same way. And honestly, I miss out on a lot. I want to go to Glacier Park, Glacier National Park. Yeah. And I just can't. Right. Cause I need, can't leave you, in the oh, summer. You need to go. Cause there's the so summer. much that that's I want to do. Yeah. I would say that's right. worth it. And I still feel like when I, if I go to Glacier, it feels like I'm still taking part in the Northwest summer. Right. You know, like I don't feel like I'm, that's part of what I feel like is the Certainly. experience of living mm -hmm. here. Even though I know that like some people will get a little snobby about like, is this the Pacific Northwest or not? And I, I firmly right. believe North Idaho, like the thin <laughs> part of North Idaho is, is Pacific Northwest. Maybe Boise isn't, I don't know. I don't know where well, the snobby line is. I mean, Boise is in a different time zone. So yeah. you could, hey, you could make you that argument, right? West Coast yeah. Time. So yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe I think West so. Coast time. That could be the argument right there. <laughs> All right. I like it. <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> How did you get into, um, triathlons? Yeah. Cause that's like, it's weird, man. Yeah, I don't even like to drive that far. Well, not only just triathlons, like you're a professional athlete. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. yeah. Like high level shit, dude. It was ridiculous because you know, I, I grew up playing the traditional baseball, basketball, football, just, um, and baseball is what I really loved. So I, you know, I went through all the, all the stuff here locally in Coeur d'Alene, you know, the Legion program. And I love to hear had great coaches, great system. Um, had a lot of success in high school, both individually and, and like our teams were really good and, and it was really fun and it was a blast and, and, uh, had planned on going, had a, you know, a college scholarship to go play baseball, but, um, just kind of melted down. Like I had, it had been such a big focus for me, like my whole life. Um, and for many reasons decided to stay local. I mean, part of it's just being a, a kid that mostly grew up in Coeur d'Alene, like it's also like nerve wracking to leave yeah. a lot far, far away to go play. And, and, but it really was, I, I just burnt out. And, and so, uh, my freshman year of college, I was just, you know, I just went to North Idaho college ended up going, you know, like 
just doing everything here. And when I was a freshman, it was when um, Ironman had its first race here. And so, which is crazy because I'd be, you know, it's 20 years um, since they've had oh. their first one. Yeah. So it was like 2002, 2003? 2003. Okay. And I, so I, my dad, my, my dad is, you know, like my, he and him are like, you know, best buds. Like we talk about sports every day and he messaged me and he, or he, you know, called me and said, Hey, like, um, did you see that that Ironman thing's coming to town? And, you know, at the time I had, that was back in the days of, you guys remember wide, wide world of sports, like ABC yes. okay. yeah. every Saturday, right? Like before I'd go do mm. stuff outside, I'd watch sports in the morning, usually sports center, but on Saturdays it was wide world of sports. Well, around that time, ABC and ESPN made their merger, which this is really nerdy stuff, but it's because I'm <laughs> super into sports. So this is okay. my thought process. Okay. <laughs> right. Ironman's coming to town. I had seen Hawaii Ironman the world championships, but I had not made the connection that there was more than one. I thought it was just like the Iron Man was in Hawaii. I didn't realize there was ones all oh, over right. the world. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, what the hell? Why, why are they bringing Iron Man to Coeur d'Alene? Like they had it in yeah. Hawaii. Like why would they move it here? I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know the history. I just knew it was a super epic long race and it looked really cool. So I was like, I bet you I can get on sports center. If I go downtown. <laughs> ah, okay. So there's the motivation. Yeah. yeah. So I went down and I'm looking for the cameras. Like, where are the where are the cameras? You know, like I want to get on Sports Center. Like that was whatever. It sounds super cool to like wave at the camera while Stuart yeah. Scott's like, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. Like <laughs> totally off base on what right. Well, so I went down and instead I just kind of like caught the that bug of, oh, this looks really cool. It was very inspirational. Mm. And I was naive enough to be like, I bet I could do this, you know? And really my only background was baseball, basketball, football. And I did, I did ride my bike a decent amount, but I, you know, it was like a BMX bike, you right. know, riding around town. And, and I remember going on long rides sometimes like once a year we'd camp and I'd like borrow a mountain bike and we'd mountain bike at Farragut or something. But the reality was I had no business even thinking that I could do it given I probably, I think at that time I'd never run more than three miles like consecutively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know how to swim, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And I remember like later that week I went to Walmart and I was like, I got to find a bike. I'm going to do this. And you know, I, I didn't really know what I was looking for. And, uh, sure enough, you know, I was like, man, 150 bucks. That's like the cheapest bike at Walmart. Right. right? I'm like, <laughs> can't even afford this. You know, I'm a college in college. I have no money. I'm like eating potatoes and top ramen, you know, like, and I, and, and travel is an expensive sport. Oh yeah. And so I was like, ah, I got to figure this out. Well, I just kind of like had it in the back of my mind. And that winter I joined uh, peak athletic oh, yeah. club and I was like, all right, I'll figure this triathlon thing out. I don't need a bike. I can just go to spin classes. So, you know, I was working on jobs, going to college and I was like, just started going to 5 a.m. spin classes and then just like right away going up and running on the treadmill. And, and I, I started just consuming books on, like crazy on like what, what to, how to do a triathlon. And so I, in that next spring, I did post falls duathlon, which is a 5k run. And I think it's like somewhere around a 30, 30 K. So, you know, 20 or 15, 20 miles, something in there. And then another 5k run. I signed up for it and a buddy who had done Ironman the year prior, who I graduated high school with, just like a hit it and quit it kind of Ironman, you know, right. to survive it. He's like, hey, you want, um, I'm getting a new bike. Um, I borrowed this bike anyways from one of our buddies' dads. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah. Sweet. 
So I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm in, I can do this duathlon. So I did this duathlon. I sucked. I was like, you know, at a hundred people, I was like 95th. And I, I thought I was going to die the whole time. You know, my whole, only goal was to just get under 10 minute miles for the run. And, uh, did the combined run, you know, right. the combined 10 K and I got done. And I mean, like I said, I was, my hips and knees, I, you, you'd think I was 80. Like I was, I was so hurting. And how old are you? How old were you at this time? So I was 20, 20, 21, something Jeez. like that. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, really. Young. And I'm like, dude, this was awesome. It was so cool. And somebody's like, Hey, when are you going to do the, when are you going to do the Coeur d'Alene triathlon, which is the Olympic distance. So that one's about double the distance of right. that post falls to Athlon, Right. And, uh, and I had it in my mind, like I'm doing Ironman. Like this is the, why I'm doing this. I'm doing Ironman, but I didn't, I still wasn't quite telling friends yet because it felt like, you know, that would, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't want to embarrass myself. I also didn't want to, you know, over promise and under deliver. I was like, yeah, just right. wait, I'm doing it. So anyways, ended up, um, signing up that night for Coeur d'Alene triathlon. And, uh, you know, I get, I get, uh, I get, I like sign up credit card information goes through and I'm like, Oh shit, I don't know how to swim. (laughs) And so I was like, I better start reading on how to swim. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, so I was literally going to the pool with a book that I got from the library on how to swim. And I was like looking at the diagrams and I'd swim down, swim back. And I'd be like, I don't know. That seemed right. Okay. And then I just like keep going. And so I did Coeur d'Alene triathlon that year. And, uh, I signed up for like, honestly, after Coeur d'Alene triathlon, I think I signed up for like four more races in the fall. I just was like, I love this. Interesting. Doing this. And I, and from that point on, you know, I had just had, I had, uh, our son had just been born my first 2016 now. So, oh yeah, we can do the math there. Anyways. So he, uh, the, the, you know, my whole thing was I could only train during sleeping hours on the weekends. I took Sundays off. I could only train during sleeping hours on Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, I had free reign to train as long as I wanted. That was kind of the rules of the house. So before 8 a.m., after 8 p.m., and then on Saturdays, I would go crazy and just ride as long as I could. Dedication, man. So that was basically what started it. And I, you know, I've never, I've always kind of been the type of person who, um, you know, I don't know if it's like an addictive personality or, or what it is, you know, ADHD, hyper-focus. Like if I, if I start to like something, I oftentimes I'm like, all right, this is what I'm doing now. And it doesn't, I don't really have, it's like a, just a singular focus at that point, you know? And, and so I'm like, I'm just, this is going to be my only hobby. You know, I had friends who were like playing golf and right. wakeboarding, you know, wake surfing wasn't quite a thing yet. Like wait, people are wakeboarding and they're, people are golfing all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm doing triathlons. I'm going to do an Ironman. Right. Cause that's my goal. And I wanted to do it in two years after I started. So, you know, it was just a slow progression. And what I liked about it was when I was growing up doing baseball, a lot of times I would get judged for size. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was too small. Mm-hmm. I was kind of in the, I was in the steroid era for sure. And boys, you know, 15, all of a sudden were getting super jacked. And it was like, that's weird. I wonder why I'm not. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so it was like, come to find out like I was in the the era of just guys, you know, it was normal in the seventies and eighties to be five, nine and 155 pounds, 170 pounds to play shortstop, you know, cause I want to play shortstop for the Dodgers. That's like what I wanted to right. do. Well, <clears throat> hate to break it to you, but like the guys that were playing in the nineties, Alex Rodriguez and whatever, they're six, four, 225 pounds, you know, not only did I not have the height, but I also, you know, wasn't riding up. So, yeah. um, but what was cool about triathlon was, is I was like, you know, 
this is basically a, it is as blue collar as it gets. It's just put the work in and then there's the results. And I didn't have teammates for the first time either. Now I did recognize down the road when I started to race professionally, having a team around you is really, really important as far as like coaching and other athletes you trained with and people who supported you. But it, it was kind of freeing to not have a team to rely on. Like you can't blame it on anyone else. And that's one of the things I loved about baseball. And I think that's why a lot of kids quit baseball is because everybody's watching you. You know, you can miss a block in football and maybe nobody sees. Sure, maybe on the film later, but the fans might not know. When you strike out in baseball, it's like, you suck. You're the, you were the person that was supposed to hit the ball. Right. You know, in triathlon, it, it was like that. It was like, it's all on me. And I liked that. I liked the fact that it was like, I just, the harder I work, the better I get. Well, there's those people that, you know, just like football or anything else. I mean, you watch all the movies and you see all the, you know, um, all the feel goods and everything else. It's always the guy that wants the ball. It's the guy yeah. that wants the pressure and everything else. And I think that's really yeah. cool about triathlon is because it is, you are the weak link and you're also the strong link at the same time. Yeah. There's no hiding. Like you just, oh, yeah. if you, if you don't do something well, like there's really just nothing to blame it on except it, for you didn't train enough. You didn't do yeah. enough, whatever. And I imagine natural talent really can only take you so far. It is literally putting in the work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, uh, I was also in an era where, so, you know, if you want to know other geeky statistics, like the first time that triathlon was in the Olympics was in Sydney in 2000. Yeah. And up until that point, you know, triathlon basically started about 1980. Everybody that was in the sport was kind of a rollover from some other sport. So it was like, they were a runner who then became a triathlete. They were a cyclist who then became a triathlete. They were, they would, USA triathlon actually was, was actively recruiting college juniors and seniors in specific sports like swimming, you know, to go, Hey, have you thought about what you're doing after your collegiate career? Because we'd like to see if you want to, you know, pursue the Olympics and triathlon. So that was, I was in an era that was mostly people who did that. But now after the Sydney Olympics, what happened was an entire generation saw, I want to be an Olympian at triathlon, not just that happens to be the backup plan. So I was in a, you know, my, the bulk of my 10 year, you know, professional career went from where it was guys who kind of were like, they came from other sports. And even I was very, you know, one of the last people, especially someone who didn't, didn't even run or anything, you know, um, one of the last people to, to do that now at the highest level, you just, you don't, you, you do triathlon from the start or, or you're just not going to make it. All right. So, Hey, can I back up a little quick? So yeah. you were talking about the fact that when you, when you ran that first, it was a biathlon or what? what it's called the duathlon. A I duathlon. Mean, there yeah, we go. Same idea. So when you did the duathlon, you told me, you know, you felt like you were 80. Everything was broken down. Yeah. It was hard. So I, I'm very, I'm very stubborn. I love to take on uh, challenges like that. The only reason I won't try in a triathlon is because I hate riding a bike. I hate, yeah. Yeah. I hate every minute of it. I will run as long as you want. I'll swim out in the middle of the ocean. I don't care, but I hate biking. So is this anyways, some childhood trauma we should unpack? I don't, I don't, okay. I don't like sitting there yeah. for eight hours riding <laughs> yeah. a bike, maybe six in your, you know, I, four I hours, had a training whatever. partner that would joke about the fact that he's like, how hard cycling be? You're sitting down most of the time. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> what, what I'm getting at is, you know, you talked about, I know when I go out and I decide and I do have a wild hair and I say, I'm going to jump on my bike. I'm going to go do this. Or even in the summer when I start running a whole lot, you know, I'll get out there and I'm sore. Like it hurts. Yeah. I mean, I'm 40 now, but even in my twenties and my thirties, mm-hmm. when I was running a whole lot, you know, when I got back into it and those types of things, like when I did a really long run, I was sore yeah. and it takes a toll on your body. So my question is, you know, you, you were talking about that with your first duathlon that you did. Yeah. Um, 
but as a professional, like, I mean, it's, it's not something that you're kind of jumping into every now and then it's something that you're doing consistently. Yeah. How does that, what's the wear on your body for something like that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I joke now, like if I go to a physical therapist or a chiropractor or whatever, I'm like, Hey, I'm a high mileage vehicle. So <laughs> just to keep in mind, <laughs> you know, I'm like one of those Toyotas that was bought in 2015 and they're like, why is there only 330,000 miles on this thing? <laughs> but really, I mean, it could be worse. Cause I could have ran, I mean, I know guys who, by the time they were 22 were burnt out on running because right. they ran cross country by the time they were little. And you know, it, it, it's kind of the, the thing about endurance sports is there is some truth to more is more, you know, like just the more you do it, the better you're going to be. Um, I personally really struggled with running early. I mean, because of the fact that I, all of my running was on soft surfaces and then you move to like running on asphalt or, or concrete and, and it's right. really, really hard. So, you know, as far as like getting to that place of being able to race professionally, what it was is it's, you know, it's just like anything else. Like you guys recognize the aspect of, in the real estate world, like, you know, when you're trying to build clientele, um, you're trying to build a YouTube channel, you're trying to build following on social media. Um, you know, you don't just, you, you never hear it was like, and then all of a sudden I had a million followers or whatever it is. <laughs> like it's, it's a, it's a step-by-step -step thing. And in the same way, the volume that I took on as a, you know, as an athlete was a two steps forward, one step back consistent thing. And I, you had, you know, I had to recognize that it just had to be exactly like that. An old rule of thumb is that you don't want to add more than like 10% volume right. in any given sport. You know, it's like a very basic thing, but, um, that might not always be true, but at the same time, yeah, it's just like understanding that, you know, I had a really long-term vision that was a big, big goal. Um, and I understood that I couldn't just go out and do that distance immediately. Right. And so I did have the patience because I put it out there a few years. Like, I think a lot yeah. of people make the mistake of trying to do it in like nine months or something. Um, you know, now, now I have a, I have a coaching business and I, and I do a lot of that, you know, and I've had people who have come to me and said like, Hey, I want to do Ironman and it's September and they want to do the Ironman the next year. And I'm like, I'm not going to coach you because wow. they, you know, they have no, they have no background because I just, it's just not realistic. So that was a long way of saying, you know, it's, it really just was inch by inch to go miles is really what it comes down to. Well, that's funny that you say that because I bring this up with my son all the time. You know, I got a 15 year old son, you do too. Yep. And, uh, it, it came up when we were playing video games one day and I'll circle this back around, but we're playing video games. We're playing Mario. I got, my wife got me a, a original Nintendo. Oh, no way. And Ooh. so, you know, we're playing Mario and the thing with Mario is that you get on there and I go and then my guy dies, then it's your you turn go, yeah. and you don't get a turn until I'm done. So you have to sit there and watch the other person play the game right. and you don't get to do anything. Yeah. And there's a patience that comes with that. And I feel like today the youth and people that are struggling with, with having the success that you had, it's because they don't have the patience and I call it the Batman theory. And here's what it came from watching the movie, Batman. I'm sure it, how old's your son? 16. Yeah. So all, all of our boys have been at a point where they're, they're watching a, a movie when they're like five years old, six years old, they watch Superman, they watch Batman, they watch whatever else. And I remember it distinctly being Batman. The second the movie was over two hours and 40 minutes or whatever, my son was Batman. Like he's running around the house. Sure. He's Batman. He believes it all, you know, and, and that's all that he wants to be. And what just happened is in two hours and 40 minutes, he watched a guy go from being nothing to being <laughs> this superhero. And there's an expectation of no patience that that stuff happens. What you don't see is you don't see the years of grueling work that you had to put into this. And a lot of people see somebody yeah. like you who's successful at Ironman and they say in September, and, and I'm guilty of this. I do this all the time. I fall into that trap because I want to do something. 
and it's September and there's a race in May and I'm like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And that's hard. So I think that the fact that you mentioned about patience <laughs> is something that a lot of people lack nowadays because it takes that time to be that good at something. Yeah. I mean, d delayed gratification is one of those aspects that, I mean, I talk about that all the time and it just is, it translates. I mean, I talk about it with my boys. I talk about it with clients of mine now. Um, and, and even in my own life, you know, whatever goals I have, it's, it is really difficult. I think we were just in a, in an era of instant gratification. And so, you know, when you want something, mm -hmm. you can, you know, you can order something from Amazon in 30 seconds. And, and so it's a, it's just a learned quality. I think that you really have to, you really have to figure out to do. I mean, I, I grew up pretty poor and if we wanted to get anything, it was like, you better save up for like the next 18 months to get that $50 right. thing, you know, mm -hmm. like, or whatever. And, uh, so I think that was, it was partially that, that, that helped with that. It also was, I did play sports and I, and it took a really long time. I was part of like a baseball program that took a long, long time to develop. And so I recognized that that was something that, um, was worthwhile, but it, but it is, and it, I would say it gets more difficult for me. You know, it's like I was born in 84 and that's like on the cusp of what it when a millennial, a millennial is 84, like 83. Whereas I feel like I kind of relate more to the generation before me. Right. Um, I always feel like I have older friends just when it comes to like how I relate and, me too. and so <laughs> I know. I'm that guy, I guess. <laughs> How old are you? 43. Oh, man. I love hanging out with them. I'm, I'm, I'm a B44 here. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, but it's, no, I'm, I'm thankful that I had the, the, you know, like, I mean, I don't know how, how well I actually planned it, but I'm glad I, I let, set it out there a few years in advance. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it was, but, you know, it's also incredibly gratifying to reach goals that take a long time. I mean, nothing... I guess that's another point too, like the idea of nothing that you do is worthwhile or nothing worthwhile that you do is easy. I, I can't right. think of something that I've done mm. that was really easy that I was like, oh, that was really, it's just so fulfilling. Yeah. Everything that I do that is worthwhile is hard. Yeah. There's hard, at least hard stages. It just doesn't, nothing's just like easy. Right. And, and I love, you know, there's a lot of, you know, gurus and people out there that I could name that I like or, or whatever that talk a lot about that, like doing hard things. Right. And for me, whatever that is, like, I kind of dig into that, the idea that it's, there's something really gratifying about doing hard things. And, and now that I'm retired as an athlete, I still want to challenge myself in ways, both athletically and mentally, you know, and relationally that it's like, what are some hard things that I can do? Right. And I think that as long as you're continuing to pursue that, you'll have a lot of growth. Well, that's why people, that's why people respect athletes like that Yeah, because they know, I mean, if it was all that easy, I mean, you see some guy like you mentioned, Alex Rodriguez, you see him up there. I mean, that's why people want to wear his jerseys because they know the sacrifice that he put into it. You go out and you try to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball, 580 feet. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. This is a, this is a common theme actually in the last couple of podcasts we've done is, is that, um, doing hard things, grit and like, you know, what drives a, a man or a woman to do that? You know, it, it's like a cool topic that I love to talk about because, um, I think a, a lot of us are kind of wired that same way of like, how can I find this challenge in my life? And what, like, well, I don't know why, but that gives me so much personal growth out of doing that. Like we do a lot of cold plunging and yeah, that shit sucks every damn time, dude, like every time, and, but, um, but we're drawn to it and, yeah. and cause it's hard, I think. And it sucks. I like the suffering. Yeah. I I think that it's, you know, I, 
I don't necessarily seek it out all the time. Like, I mean, I'm sure you guys have brought up before, like, you know, somebody like David Goggins, right. Who's just like at that complete extreme yeah. Of, yeah. of like wanting to suffer all the time. But I, I, I definitely just feel like for whatever reason, um, you know, that was ingrained in me when I was young. My dad was a really hard worker. I saw it. I, I recognize that like yeah. things don't come easy and, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to experience that. And, and I think the more that I dug into it, the more I was, it just was fulfilling to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's when I feel most accomplished, like I've actually done something, you know, our normal day to day job is a lot of like talking and interacting. And and at the end of the day, sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like I did anything today, even though I may have, but, but going out and doing something, you know, cold plunging, working out jujitsu for me, whatever. um, That's, those are the things that I, at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, like I felt like I did something. Yeah. And then I think just that physical, the physical aspect you know, to be able to, to move your body and, and all those things are just so important. I know, I mean, there's such a huge part, like with my boys, you know, my relationship with my boys, like it, it's something that's so big in our lives too, where we had like, I'll give you an example. My youngest son is really athletic and just, a he's such a good kid, but he's a total spaz. He's 10, you know, he's almost 11. And, yeah. and, um, we have this thing where I have a half mile marked out from our house and I'm like, dude, you got to run a lap. So <laughs> when things get crazy, like whatever, I can't get him to focus on homework. He, you know, does something that I'm like, that was lame. Why'd you do that to your brother? Whatever it is. Or, you know, he whines about taking the trash out. I'm like, lap, do a lap. And I make him go run to the half mile. So he runs a mile, Yeah, you know, and, uh, my boys know that, you know, it's run a, run a lap, but they, but it's funny because we've even had these really good conversations afterwards where they're like, dang, I was like, actually my head's a lot clearer now, you know, it's, and yeah. it, it's a little bit of punishment. I mean, I, I, that was why I struggled a lot with running. You know, you, you grow up playing football and baseball. Like it's usually just punishment when yeah. you run sprints. Oh yeah. Run sprints. Yeah. And then like run poles after baseball games, whatever. Right. Or like <laughs> oh, yeah. lines and basketball, uh-huh. you know, afterwards yeah. I just hated it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I've tried to make that translation for them that like, Hey, you're doing things that not very many people do. You know, I think, and I try to dig into that with them a lot. Like if you want to, if you want to be, you know, better than other kids at sports, you want to be better in life at things, you got to do what other people aren't willing to do. And, and that might be, you know, in our household, you do a lap. Yeah. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love it. That's a great lesson, I think for them. And I think that's a lot of kids these days are lacking that. And I mean, the, the laziness in the, in the youth right now is incredible. You know, it's interesting because I, I, what I found, like, you know, what we were talking about, about like the cuss or like the millennial, like cut for me. Yeah. I didn't, I was one of like my last friends that was like texting will never take off. I mean, everybody's got to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was busy playing snake. I was like, I, I, I'm like, I was the last of my friends to like, because remember how texting used to be something that you had to buy? Oh yeah. Like it wasn't it was like, like 10 cents yeah, a text. Yeah, yeah, uh. yeah. It was like a package, right? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm freaking holding out. I'm Stupid. never texting. Yeah, I'm going to call. sending you like multiple texts just to piss you off because it costs you money. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> and you know, I was like, you know, I can't respond. I don't have text messaging. So like the whole point of that was that like, when I think, when I think about all of the things that whatever changes are happening in our culture, um, you know, I find myself someone who, like I said, kind of identifies as with a culture or a generation before me. I find though, that if I'm not careful, a lot of the things that kind of plague our time bleed into 
my life, mm. you know, um, I have held out with my kids on having phones. Like my oldest has a phone, he's 16, but my 13 year old doesn't yet. And, and we had, Good. we had really, really long conversations about why that was. And I, you know, we have this year <clears throat> yearly camping trip. that's like more important to us than new year's. I've been going to priest Lake since oh. 1989 every year wow. with awesome. my dad. And then now my kids and, um, my buddy, my buddy and his boys come, he has three boys as well. And we go every single year and it's like a big milestone thing. Like we honestly, we look forward to it more than new year. So we take pictures every year when we're there, like it's really meaningful. That's and cool. when I, you know, I told him, I was like, Hey, think about how much fun we've had just on the drives to priest Lake. Yeah. Why? Cause we have no service. We don't have phones. We're talking, we're excited about the camping trip. We're laughing and then camping, no phones. Why is it so fun? Why is it so fun? <laughs> and, and so I was like, and I said, you know, just go, just go to some of your friends' houses when you're like, you know, five, six, 10 of your friends are all somewhere and just sit for a minute. And I want you to just look at your friends and how many of them are talking, all their friends are there and yet they're not there because they're all on their phones. Right. And I was like, just, just think about that, you know, like, and so we had, we had really good conversations about it and I continue to have conversations with my, you know, the younger two because like this stuff just bleeds in. Oh, like yeah. you were talking about the, like the laziness and I I'm guilty of just being like, uh, you know, sounding like one of those guys at the American Legion hall. It's yeah. like 85, like <laughs> these new kids, these uh -huh. dark fangled things. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, all this technology ruining us. But then I realized that like I'm doing, I do a lot of the same things if I'm not careful because of the fact that it just bleeds in. Oh, it's so easy. Oh yeah. It just eats away at you. So easy. Yeah. So, I found myself late at night sitting there and my wife's leaning up against the wall. I'm leaning up against the wall. We're both looking at memes. Yeah. Or like sending them to each other. No, not yeah. sending them. To no, each no, other. no. I'm not making fun of you that I do that with my wife. Sometimes Ugh. we'll literally be in the same room, sending stuff to each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are we not just talking? Right. You know? yeah. right? I, I was just talking about this um, <clears throat> yesterday with some guys. Uh, we just had a big talk with our son and, um, cut off games for two weeks for both the kids because like they were and we've gone back and forth on this but we tend to give our kids a lot of leeway because they're good kids and we trust them and then like the game addiction is real yeah. so we've had we had like two days of deep conversations with both the kids and like trying to make them realize like hey guys you're like you're like way too far on that spectrum um so they they agreed with it and uh you know because i didn't want to just like drop the hammer on them but it was like hey like i want you to buy in so two weeks, no games, and literally, like within a day, the their attitudes improve. Yeah. Everything improves. They're creative. My daughter, I'm like, she's hilarious. She's like, she's super animated now, more than she was, and like, they're more enjoyable to be around when that is off the table. Yeah, I, I, I man, I think about that. Just how much time I spent, just I had, didn't have anything to do, and so yeah. I went and did stuff right. or, or whatever, you know, and. Right. And I think that there's just an aspect. Like when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was, again, I would say it was partially because we just didn't have any, we didn't really have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like, yeah, you just, it's amazing how much more creative and oh, yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, I never had video games growing up. Like my parents are, my friends used to call them Amish. They aren't really Amish, but <laughs> yeah, right. um, yeah, it was like, like very limited TV and no video games uh, ever in my, until I, you know, moved out. And I always had shit to do. Like yeah. I, I was always in the woods. I was doing whatever dumb thing outside, but it was entertaining myself and being creative. And I, so I see my kids now and I'm like, you guys are missing out a little bit on this because your brains literally are, if, if you can just shut off and go play a video game, like why wouldn't you do that? It's, it's so much easier for your brain than to have to get creative and find things to do. It's 
it's a trap, obviously. And, you know, I don't know. There's a balance there somewhere because I don't want, you know, I, I want I them to have some of that because it's important. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to find that balance. That's the hard part. Well, it is hard because you, it, it, at some point, they're going to enter the world. Right. And, they need to know. And let's, I mean, yeah. that's one of the hard things that we know. Both of our kids have cell phones now. Yeah. And it's a huge part of their lives. It yeah. really is. I mean, it, it, it it's yeah. not, it doesn't necessarily define them, but it is absolutely a huge part of their lives. Yeah. But the thing is, is that all their friends and everything else, they can't carry on a relationship with their friends without those things. Yeah. And the reason I, so when, when my daughter invites her friends over, they know the rule, her friends will come over. They all put their cell phones upstairs. Oh, like, like you guys are hanging out. If you're over at our house, you can come over anytime you want, but I own your cell phones. That's all a good rule. Gonna, you guys are that. together. So you guys are doing your thing. And I'm, I'm very strict on that. However, um, you know, what I have found is I, I tell my son all the time, I'm like, Hey, do you want to have a buddy over? He's like, Oh no. I'm like, why not? Dude, I, I'll invite you over for a sleepover now. And yeah. I'm 40 years old. Yeah. I'm like, come on over. That'd be super fun by the way. Let's right. Do let's do it. <laughs> so, but the big thing is, is that when his friends come over, the things they want to do are play video games yeah. and they can't do that together. Yeah. They have to have their own system. Right. They his need to house be in their own they, room. So he's like, yeah. we are hanging out this weekend. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding Not me. Not the same, right? But it is hard because, you know, they get almost alienated at this point because every kid has it. Uh -huh. So when they're at school and they're the one kid without it, I'm not saying they can, it definitely takes a specific character, you know, to be able to, to get through that. Um, but for the most part, I mean, they're almost alienated. You show up at school, you don't have a cell phone. You can't shoot each other a text. Right. You can't shoot each other an emoji, whatever else it's almost like people are just going to pick another friend because they can't communicate with you. Yeah. And it's hard. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's a struggle that, uh, well, one, as a parent, I absolutely hate it. I hate yeah. having to deal with these problems because they don't, they don't make sense to me. You know, right. I really struggle with that. Um, but it is something that you have to deal with because if you just ignore it, then, you know, then it slides off and your kid's like gone forever. But no, and I like, I think there's also just a lot to be said about having the discipline to, um, yeah, to be able to regulate. So right. like, for instance, the idea of, you know, people that choose to have alcohol in their house with kids or people that have, you know, anything that you have access to that maybe you, sh you wouldn't want your kids to partake in or, or too much of, right? Like, I mean, you could draw that line anywhere, right? Like what right. if you have just like a bunch of M&Ms? Mm -hmm. Like, can you trust your kids to not eat them or yourself no. to not eat them, right? So the idea is like, <laughs> I think there's also a lot to be learned in like that aspect of, sure, have, have a cell phone, have the candy, have right. what all those things, but be able to have the discipline mm. Um, and the mindset that it's, again, I think it goes back to that, like instant gratification. Are we able to recognize, like to partake in certain things at the, at the right, you know, right. appropriate times. And I think that those are certain lessons that I know as a dad, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to translate. It goes back to that athletic thing because of the fact that like, when it came right down to it, you know, a lot of times people would be like, oh man, how do you like refrain from ice cream or how do you refrain from xyz thing that you know some vice or something that would uh you know affect you negatively in your pursuit of being a high level athlete and and oftentimes i'd when i would have that question i'd be like i don't know i guess at this point i didn't i hadn't really thought of i don't really think about it anymore and right. it's, it's that aspect that's the idea of like it takes <clears throat> it takes a while to build a habit and to build a habit takes discipline but then once you have the habit, then it's no longer something that you have to spend so much mental energy 
you know, going like, oh, I'm not going to partake in this or I'm going to do, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't take as much willpower anymore yeah. because it's part of who you are versus a choice that you're making. It's just like, this is now who you are. Right. So that, but that takes a while, it takes a while to get there. Dude, you were doing this before the Jocko and Goggins days, bro. Is that even possible? <laughs> it's like, it's, I think Jocko invented that shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> funny. It's amazing all the things that, I mean, man, that stuff just such, so resonates. You right. know, yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. Like I, I did meet, um, Goggins years ago in San Diego, just like briefly. Um, I had a buddy that, uh, ran or uh, like sagged for him in one of his, uh, what's that mean? Uh, like support, like did, oh, uh, did okay. like nutrition and, and gotcha. support for him on one of his, like the death Valley, oh, whatever the hundred, oh, he, the he drank water and stuff during that. Pussy. I, much of a I wouldn't anymore. have. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> It's way tougher than that. Right. Never seen him drink water in any of his videos. Right. Oh my gosh. Shit. What, uh, when we were talking last time, you were kind of giving me the rundown of like, um, a training week or like the day of a professional triathlete, like what that looks like. Yeah. And it's just like, it was a shocking amount when you put, you know, the hours of time. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause yeah, of course. No, I mean, uh, so I guess to keep going with this story. So at, at one point, you know, I, I raced, um, I raced in Portland. I did a, what was like a half Ironman distance. It wasn't an Ironman branded race, but it was a race that had professionals there. I, um, I qualified to get your pro card. It's similar to like golf where when there's amateurs and pros at an event and then you, 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 uh, your results are good enough. You have the option to take a, you know, go race professionally and, and then okay. have the chance to earn money. So when there's a prize purse, and there's amateurs and pros, you have the option of, okay, you, you, your results are good enough. Now they say mm. you can apply for a pro card. So I did that. And the following year I had found out about a, a group of athletes that was training in San Diego under a, a renowned coach in the endurance world. And, and they had like a basically open slots. And, um, so I applied and I, uh, you know, I put my, my resume was, very little at that point, but I just was like, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that, you know, you say, you say jump and I'm just going to say how high I'm just going to do whatever yeah. it takes to, to do that. And, uh, so part of that commitment was I, I was going to San Diego, um, for four weeks at a time, three, four weeks at a time. And then coming home, I was going back and forth, um, with the thought that I was eventually going to move there, but I had to kind of, you know, I had to get my racing pedigree, like be able to get enough results and sponsors and all that stuff to be able to make that move happen. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I had, I had figured out a lot on my own, but obviously at that point it was a big, you know, that when he, I went down for the first training camp that was kind of like a tryout, so to speak, when I got accepted to be kind of under his tutelage and with these, like some of these Olympic athletes, um, you know, it was, I was blown away and, and I learned then what it looked like to, to really train, you know, because I had been training really, really hard at that point. Um, and I'd been putting on a lot of hours, but like when you see it, it's like a, you know, a rookie in a locker room where you like, you got a guy who's, you know, a 10 time pro bowler or something. And you're like, Oh, that, that work ethic's different that preparation is different that um every little thing that they do every stone every everything's you know everything is just dialed figured out taken care of 
prepared for. And I remember that was kind of the experience that I had. There was a mix of um, athletes there as far as men, women, and and accomplishments and stuff. But we had some people that it was like, oh, okay, that's what excellence looks like. And so, you know, what I figured out was it's not just about like the volume. It's about um, what kind of what kind of mindset you have about that volume. Like, is this intentional movement all the time? Are you engaging with what you're doing mm. all the time? Like you think about a, for instance, I, I, I had to start swimming much more because I, um, my background, not swimming. And, and I was starting to swim 90 minutes a day, you know, in the, we would have three, four months to prep in the year, like December, January, February, March, we're usually like kind of pre-season and, you know, I was swimming, twice on Tuesday, twice on Thursday. And then every other day I was swimming once. So, you know, swimming a lot. And every swim was about 90 minutes of, of, of intervals, you know, not just like straight swimming, like you'd obviously break it up. But, um, yeah, it was like, but in that swim, you know, you think, let's say you swim a few miles in the pool. Um, you know, a a normal swim might be somewhere in the neighborhood of five or 6,000 yards. And, and it's like every single stroke that you would take you would have to be like thinking about it for me especially not having a background in that i had to really really think and i remember our coach oftentimes would film us way late in a session so we'd get the gopro and you know film us underwater and it's like you know you're really fatigued you you maybe already rode four hours that day you went and rode you know 80 miles you had an hour to eat got to the pool and now you're swimming you know an hour and a half swim set and you're an hour and 10 minutes in and and he drunk you know he dunks the the camera in there and to see what your form looks like when you're fatigued. And it was just a, a constant reminder of like, you just can't let off the, like you can't let off the gas in the physical, like just putting as much as of yourself into it. But then also, are you making those brain to muscle connections, pathways to, to actually get better? Because it doesn't just happen. Like right. You have to, and what you realize is these are some really, really talented people but they also work hard. Like you, you, you can only get so far on talent. You can only get so far on work, working hard. Like it's gotta be both. You gotta have some of both. And so, yeah, on a given day, I mean, it was the joke that you, we would talk about like within our little group, you know, 15 was three sessions a day, um, 350 days out of the year. You know, that was like the, that was the idea. Like you just, you had three sessions a day every day and you had about 15 days off each year of like, maybe and 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 you were so used to it that even those 15 days you probably still yeah did something like cross-country skied or you know like like you still were moving it was very rare yeah the uh 30 minutes of cardio i do a week uh, just don't stacks up (laughs) you're saying i could do a a triathlon huh you definitely could but that's the thing i mean obviously there's levels to everything right i mean it's like you're really slow triathlon (laughs) yeah it was no i remember the it was like a big i remember it was like a really big uh you know like re- wake up call i i did my first i did my first race and <clears throat> you know i did i did pretty good 15th or something like that out of like 60 men and felt good yeah you know? yeah it's like not ah. your first iron man just your first race uh first professional race so it was first that, professional yeah race. so it was a half iron man it was in new, Ar- <laughs> new orleans and I, I get i get 15th and i come back and uh i was getting ready to go back to to d'Alene and but i just i came back for um you know like so Sunday, the race is the race. Um, 
I flew back on Monday and I got back at noon and their swim was at one. And oh he's like, God. he's like, you got back. Right. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, head to the pool. And I got in the pool and they were doing like a hard swim. And I was like, and I'm like thinking like, you know, I'm going to kick back, eat some, eat Bro, some food. Just no letting like, off. He was like, oh, what'd you think you were going to do today? So <laughs> let me ask you this. How yeah. many half my Ironmans have you done? I don't know. Uh, 50. You've done 50? Probably. 70.3? Hold on. Yeah, probably. And then another, and then, I don't know, four. I think I've done 36 full Ironman. Oh, and shit. how far are those? So 114.6? 140 miles is the total. 140.6 to be technical, but around 140 miles for the Ironman. Yeah. Oh, dude, I was realizing that I put more miles on my bike every year than I did my car. <laughs> I can't wrap my no, brain around I, this, I'm, dude. I'm trying to do the math here. <laughs> 140 person, and you said you've done 50 of them? 50. Yeah, probably. Do you have 50 tattoos? <laughs> no. It's oh, a lot yes. of stickers on your car, right? too, man. Damn. Yeah, yeah. and then 36 He's full triathlons. 7,000 yeah. miles on full Ironmans alone. Yeah. That sounds right. That's insane. That's what I was saying, man. High mileage, high mileage vehicle. Holy no, I know. Smokes. And it's, yeah, it, you just kind of lose, you lose sight of it. You know, I, I like, I didn't really think much of it because I was racing, you know, I'd race two or three times a month yeah. during the season and of mixed half and, and fulls. And yeah, I mean, you just kind of, well, I know when you like, get into the rhythm, it's just like playing a baseball game. I mean, you can play yeah. three baseball games in a week and you're fine. You, you know what yeah. to expect. Yeah. Whereas like if you, no, no, <laughs> it really is that. Cause like you think about your, you play all those games and then, you know, you, you're not in high school or college anymore. And then 10 years goes by and you're like, you know, I'm playing beer league softball and you play like one game. Yes. And you're like, dude, I need 10 days off That's now me. because my back hurts. <laughs> yeah. right? And so, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and I feel that now, you know, given the fact that sometimes I think back to what I was doing and I was like, it doesn't even feel like, I don't even feel like the same person sometimes. I mean, it's like mentally I, I'm there. Like yeah. I, I can lighten over, you know, it's like the, the Uncle Rico. Throw, yeah. Throw them balls <laughs> the mountains. I'm like, I, I can run over any mountains. So when's the last time that you did an Ironman? Uh, 18, 18, 19. 19. So okay. Yeah. Do you still do you still run on a daily basis? Yeah. Or anything? yeah you'll run, see him. On, you'll still, see him on Tubbs Hill. Yeah. yeah. He's blown by run. me a few times. Okay. I, I still try. You know, it's like I still enjoy those things. Right. Um. Yeah. It's it was uh, no doing all those events. I I mean I remember one year I, I kind of had a rough end of the year where I went to Lake Tahoe. Was there for a while, like acclimating to the, oh, yeah. to the um, Some high elevation. You know, I went there for five weeks, getting ready for like what was the last race of the season. Like, really felt primed, like I was going to do really well. And the week of the race, there was a forest fire, and the race oh. got canceled, and uh. and I was super bummed. And so then I flew to Chattanooga. So I was going to do a high elevation, hilly, colder Ironman because it's in September. And I instead decided, well, this race is canceled. I'm pivoting and I'm going to go to Chattanooga. I'm going to go race an Ironman there. That was the next weekend, which is not really ideal to kind of do that, like all of it. And now this is, it's a hot, humid, flat, totally different type of course. Oh yeah. And so I went over there and I got off the bike in third place and I got stung by a bee and I'm allergic. <laughs> oh shit. So the, <laughs> basically it was like the universe was like, you're not gonna finish you're right like, this is the end of the season like don't keep trying to race so i was really just bumming and i felt real fit and just was like what a lame way to like end the season and so i had like a week where i was like well i guess it's just off season now and uh so a buddy that same guy that i was telling you my buddy from san diego he was, he was a sp sponsor actually running store guy and i was like hey are there any like 
dirt marathons or like anything like that. Like I want to do something like, I don't want to do a road marathon, but I want to do something just to end the season for fun. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, there's a 50 K tomorrow. And I was like, like a 50 K running race. And he's like, yeah, it's a trail race. And it's, only, it's like, it starts like four miles from your house. And I was like, can I get in? And he's like, yeah, the race director will let you in. And I was like, okay. So I just show up and I, you know, to this 50 K so 30, whatever miles. <laughs> and I, and I'm like, I just show up my regular like tank top and running shorts, you know, and all these people are wearing like backpacks with, you know, like camelbacks oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's gotta be like eight stations, right? <laughs> Oh God. Well, they're like, they're like every eight miles there's eight stations. <laughs> so I just like take off and I'm just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Like this isn't that much further than I normally run. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh I got second in this pretty big 50k. Hell yeah. It was awesome. I I, I loved it. Super cool. But I remember that was like kind of one of those things where it's just funny to think about um whatever. You know, it's just another experience where I was like, what I recognized at that point was like, yeah, I love triathlon, but it's really about just like challenge myself yeah, in, right. in ridiculous what, ways. Uh, so, I mean, that's your full-time job, right? That entire time, like you don't have time to work. Yeah. Job. So what developed out of that during that time frame, and what, you know, I had sponsorship and then obviously like how much there was, money does it, do you, do you make a year? I, what I'd say is this, is that it's uh there's a big, there's a big uh, gap, right? It's like the top 10% make a, make a good living. And then the bottom 90 and that's changing some, but the bottom 90 are kind of fighting over, you know, the scraps. It's like real estate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I might make, I might go make seven, 8,000 for a fourth place finish somewhere. Yeah. But like then take out travel expenses and all that. I might only bring home 3000 for like an Ironman where I really did well. Um, so I had to juggle sponsorship money as well as what I did over that time was I, I started a coaching business in 2010 where it was like, at first it was like buddies just like, Hey, I don't, you know, how'd you get fast? And so I would give them training plans and they'd get, you know, throw me 50 bucks or something like that. But then I was like, I wanted to do it more mm -hmm. officially. So I kind of got into the online training game, like fairly early, you know, and I didn't know a lot of people that were doing it at that point, 2010. Um, and so that was a big supporter of, of my ability to like, just pay the bills yeah. because, um, like I said, you know, I might have a great window where four races in a row, I would make a decent amount of money and then i might go five months where i make like 1500 bucks because like that you know that end of the season was going to be a big payoff i thought um you know it's one of the higher pacing paying races of the year right. um to to do all that prep and all that stuff to not yeah. make any money at the race is pretty tough so yeah so it was you know i mean if you're making 50 60 000 as a you know you're a lot of guys were single you know bumming on couches and figuring it out um because that's just the way the way you got to do it. And it's even worse in like the Olympic in the Olympic development because of the fact that you might get a little bit of money from the, from USA triathlon or whatever federation you're part of. Yeah. Um, but like it's even less money and less and harder travel because a lot of the travel is like out of the country. Do you, I remember all oh, like a long time ago we were talking and you were telling, telling me about all the miles on the road bike and road bikes freak me out. Cause I've taken, you know, being a former state trooper, taking a yeah. few, few crashes where people on road bikes got smoked and you have, you've been hit a few times, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what ended my career. Yeah. In 2019, I got hit by a truck with a horse trailer, like the horse trailer hit me and that was the rehab and everything like from that was pretty much what ended it. Is that common the, that, that people get, I mean, do yeah, all that time I mean, on the I, bike? I, yeah. And I, I, I know, I mean, I just know a lot of like, uh, there's a, there's a race that's called ride the divide. That's a, uh, it's, you ride from 
uh, Banff mm-hmm. all the way to uh, it's Antelope Wells, um, New Mexico. So like, you no. go, oh, damn, you go, yeah. No. <laughs> Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I drove that. One. I don't want to yeah, drive that far either. Yeah, like that. yeah. So the Continental Divide, like you, oh, you gotcha. it's like a okay. twenty seven hundred mm. mile race where you just go from Banff to the Mexico border, like as fast as you can go. And the guy that had the record for you know four or five years for the fastest time i mean he died because he got ran over a few years later you know i mean there's it's just it the Mm -hmm. odds to get hit are the same whether you ride one time or a thousand times but it's the odds are you know i think it's pretty good odds if you're not careful yeah and the other thing that's tough is that you know regulation for distance to you know there isn't just there's just not a lot of regulation for how much distance people give that you know cyclists are hard to see and then i also think cyclists made it hard make it hard on themselves because a lot of them are entitled and they ride in the road and they they make drivers angry and it's like i get both sides of it yeah um because i mean i've been mad at cyclists or mad at or mad at people on motorcycles you know because i'm like that it feels annoying but really in the grand scheme of things like my big thing that i would always think is like okay so they had to slow down to go around me or or whatever it was and it's like how much that really take out of your day, right? You know, to like slow down for a second, and so, um, and it's somebody's life, and and you know, I even even I even had you know screaming matches at times with people who buzz me, and then I caught them at the light or whatever, and it's like, you know, like I pay taxes too, <laughs> you right. know, like oh, uh, you, that kind of thing, right? Like, right. like that's gonna get me anywhere. But it, it it's when you you know you think about it. I mean, I've had I've had a few situations. You know, in 2012, I was diagnosed with cancer. And then in 2019, I was ran over pretty, you know, and it's like you do, you have those kind of close calls and you're, you have a little bit of a different perspective on, you know, mm-hmm. when people are reckless. Yeah. You, those are you, significant uh, events. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> what, what, tell me about the getting run over thing. Well, what it was is it was, a, <clears throat> I was going around a, a bend, like just a, a gradual bend on a rural road and a guy with a, a horse trailer just like he went around me, he did a good job of like going around me with this truck. Forgot he had a trailer. Yes. He just, he, you Cheated know, just didn't, just didn't handle the angle super well. Right. Which I, I mean, I think we've all driven a trailer, whether it's a boat or a, you know, like a covered trailer or something where you, you hit a curb yeah. and you're like, Oh dang, I wasn't really thinking about that. So yeah. that was the curb, you know, he hit me with basically the wheel well of the trailer. So yeah, I mean, that sucks. Yeah. It wasn't in, in like, I've had situations where I've gotten hit and the driver, you know, stops. I've had, I've had situations where I've gotten hit and they keep going. I've gotten, you know, people thrown stuff at me. You know, I've had everything thrown at me, right. name it. I've had it thrown at me when I was riding, you know, no thanks. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And, but that situation, you know, I actually think he didn't, he didn't know that he hit me. He got a horse in a trailer. He probably just thought the trailer like shifted or something, you know? And I even think the way that the bend of the road was, he may not have even been able to see me in his rear view mirror yeah, because of just the shape of the road and, and where his mirrors were and what he was thinking about. Like he may not even be able to see me. Did he even know he ran you over? He didn't stop. I mean, I, I don't, did that happen in Northern California? Cause I literally took the exact same crash. No, it was, <laughs> yeah. it, it was here. I don't okay. even want to say where it was here because of the fact that I don't want to taint where it was. Cause it was kind of, it's an area that I would be like one of the safer. Uh, it was yeah. one of the places where I felt I feel more safe. Yeah. I don't even want to say it because it's like one of those oh, things wow. that I don't yeah. want people to feel like they can't ride there anymore. Because it's and, a place that I'd still ride, or I would still recommend somebody could ride. Yeah. Right. And then, if you don't mind me asking, so you overcame cancer while you were racing as well? Yeah, it was during my racing career, which wow. was, was right at the beginning, and that was brutal to go through. That, that is well. gnarly. Yeah, dude, and and you know what we were talking about with like the community support or like 
the Coeur community. Like just here's an example. That was in 2012. And um, I'm not kidding. Within, so I was, I was diagnosed on a Saturday. I, the only reason I even got in to see a doctor on a Saturday is because someone in the community that I knew, I told them what was going on. I'd, I'd known for a couple of months that I was having an issue, but I, I didn't, um, I, I thought it was uh, something to do with riding. My riding volume had increased. So it was testicular cancer. So, you know, just as far as that's concerned, like don't have to get in the details, but basically like I'd noticed some things were different. And, yep. and so I mentioned it to a friend who had a friend who was, you know, connected to be able to get me in to get an ultrasound. And they said like, dude, you got to go to the doctor. We'll get you in. Just, just go, go there in the morning. And, uh, so sure enough, you know, on a Saturday was diagnosed on a Tuesday, the Tuesday later I was, I had surgery. Wow. I mean, it just goes to show like just super cool how it all worked out. But by the time I was out of surgery on Tuesday, so I had already had different members, members of the community, one who put together a 5k in post falls, one who put together a 5k in Spokane and one of the major churches here in town put together a spaghetti feed. Like by the time I was out of surgery, all three of these things were That's wild. Were ready to go where they were like, we're going to support you. We're that is so help cool. You yeah, and that, cool. that I think is uniquely Coeur d'Alene. Right. You know, uh, that to me was like, or the Coeur area, you know, the greater Coeur area. Like I said, 5K in Spokane, 5K in Post Falls, spaghetti, spaghetti feed, yeah. all within, I, I'm not kidding. It had only been four days. Yeah. That's, um, that's they knew I had cool. kids. They knew that you know, had a family, they knew that like, and I, and I had been involved in a lot of big community things here, you know, part of big churches, part of the, you know, big high school, part of like an Ironman being one of the bigger events. Like I was, a lot of people knew who I was. Uh, um, right, lo- the local favorite probably. Yeah, at, it was at, just like a, fu- it was like a really fun thing to be yeah. like a, someone that was rooted for, you know, to do right. well, because it was like, oh yeah, he, he grew up here. Like we want to support him. It's like just anybody who makes it big in any sport. Like, you know, it's, it's small potatoes, no pun intended for Idaho, but small <laughs> potatoes for like, right. Like doing triathlon, but, but it is like Ironman was a huge community event and, and to be, you know, a, a big fish in a small pond was yeah. like, it was, I, I always felt really you know, like really humbled by that because of the fact that, um, you know, it was, it wasn't something that came easy. I really worked for it, but at the same time, like I wouldn't have got there without, you know, certain coaches that I had growing up and certain yeah. people who had supported me along yeah. the way. Like it, I just wouldn't have got there because it developed me. You know, it's neat that you talk about this being, you know, such a, a small community and, and like I said, I, I always kind of correct myself and correct other people. I say, it's really not. I mean, there's a lot of people up yeah, here, but yeah. something that is kind of unique to this area is that it really is an isolated region. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I equate it to where I came from. Um, you know, there was, it was just the concrete continued forever. Yep. You know, you could just, you could just go forever pretty much here. I mean, you go from here to Spokane and, and back, maybe up to Sandpoint and then there's, there's nothing else that you're, that you're going to anything else is a trip. Yeah. You want to go to Missoula, you want to go to Kalispell, you want to go to Boise, you want to go to Seattle. It's a trip. It's not the same community at all. There's definitely boundaries. Yeah. And I think for that reason, it is It is very small. I mean, people know each other here. Yeah, shocking them out, right? Right. Yeah. It's just, and it's the, de- it's um, just the nature of the mountains and all that. Because like, I, you know, you think about a place like, um, you know, I have friends who've mer- moved to 
the greater Phoenix area. Yeah. And if you went to Phoenix, the greater Phoenix area in 2005, you know, it, it, things were extending, but right. now it's like you said, it's just, it's gotten like, you can just drive. Well, you don't know what city you're in. No, yeah. Yeah, you just, you just, it just other, blends. Right. And, right. and here we have some definitive physical characteristics that break it up. Oh, for I sure. Mean, the state line somewhat breaks it up, but then also, you know, like, yeah. So I think that's definitely a big part of it. Um, and I just think in a gen- like in general terms, most people that you run into here also recognize that the resources that we have, like the the resources in nature that we have, are are pretty dang unique and oh, and yeah. and worth worthwhile. And and anybody who who I talk to who doesn't recognize that, I probably am not that good of friends with because I just don't really understand how you can recognize it. Well, it seems like there's a lot of people that take advantage. I know we're getting short on time here. Yeah. Huh? Uh, there's a lot of people who take advantage of what you've done, you know, just being outside, being outdoorsy, taking advantage of the cycling, the running, the swimming, those types of things, and just what Coeur does have to offer. Uh, they did a study, um, I, I think it's over the past like 10 years, and they've they've named like the the happiest country in the world, and I think it was Sweden. I thought you were going to say Coeur like, yeah, all right. <laughs> no, but country, they, named, yeah. they named it as, I, I think it was Sweden, Norway, it was one of those up there, um, but they named it as the, the happiest uh, group of people. And they equated it to the resources of just being outdoors and being in nature and everything else. And when I think of the United States, there's a lot of neat places to go. There really is, but there's very few places that you live within it. And there's very few places where you have those resources. And really that is, there's not a whole lot more to do other than to take in the mountains and the skiing and the bikes and the lakes and those types of things here. I just don't think you last here very long if you don't, because the, the reality is, is that um, we, we don't have like major industries here. I know tech is growing here. At least that's what people say. I, I, yeah. I don't honestly know if that's tr- how true that is. I don't know the statistics, but I understand that like, y- you know, I realize you got to embrace the seasons. You got to embrace what everything, you know, what, you know, what each season brings because that's important because some of them are longer than others. You know, yeah. winter can be long here. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, you just don't last long because it's like, it's not worthwhile. Like, why are you here? Right. If you're not going to be doing that's those a big things part of the, the, the yeah. value of this the area, draw and it's, sure. but it's the reason. And so I think that that's, but that's also why you get so connected because once you start to realize like, I mean, I just couldn't, well, when I was living in San Diego, for instance, I still came up for that priest lake trip Yeah, every cool. year. I made that's that cool. week. That was one of the weeks I didn't do anything because yeah. I'd race Ironman and usually I'd go the next week after we'd come up that's here awesome. for that time. And then we do that trip because, um, in my mind, it was like, there's no other place like yeah. that for, for me, you know, to go. Um, my dad will probably be mad that I'm mentioning this on a podcast. <laughs> That's all right. Not that it's, a, <laughs> people know. It's it. not easy to get up there really. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's I'm not going to tell you which yeah, no, spot. Don't, don't I even to. mention it. Yeah. Hey, are you still, you're still coaching, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do both your athletic name? coaching. It's Derek Garcia Multisports. Um, yeah. Easy to get a hold of. Cool. You know? I'll put uh, the uh, link. You have a website and I do. I'll put the link in the description too. So people can find you. Yep. If, Great. Yeah. If any, uh, do you train just, you know, asking for a friend, like a 40 mid forties, <laughs> you know, slightly overweight, 30 minutes of cardio a week. Do you train someone like that for an Ironman? I train people that anybody who does anything from, they want to do a 5k, they want to lose 50 pounds. Um, they want to do an Ironman. I have people that do hundred mile road races, you know, running races. Um, yeah, all, all aspects. And I do some corporate coaching as well. So like oh, cool. work with businesses on, you know, getting their clients, um, you know, staying in shape and motivated and stuff like that. But yeah, so it's a, it's a broad spectrum of people that I coach and it, it's morphing, you know, as, 
my focus was endurance athletes for a long time, but as my life changes and I grow and understand kind of more of what it's like to be in this stage of life, like, you know, getting to be 40 and I recognize that there is a huge demand for, Hey, how do we figure out how to, how to just stay active, stay strong, stay healthy. It's really, really important to me. It's something I'm passionate about. Um, because you might not be pursuing professional athletics, but like, it's really, really important. Like I want to be able to do a few things. Like I want to, you know, be able to chuck my kids in the pool and, (laughs) and I tell them, you know, at whether it's endurance stuff or whatever, I'm going to kick their asses as long as possible because that's like, I'm going to be 60, man, 70, still fighting them to, Yeah. Them in a in a sprint or whatever it is, because that's a good goal. I want to have that experience with them. Yeah, so I like yeah. it. Uh, well, on that note, let's call it. We're about time. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. Of course, thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, Derek Garcia. We'll have all your contact info in there so people can get a hold of you if they want to punish themselves Sounds or good. or hit those goals. I'm just kidding. Thank so, you, Derek. Yeah, thanks, yeah, brother. Of course. All right, catch you next time.